Welcome to the Dear Mark Project podcast, brought to you by Brain Co. As marketing and advertising professionals, honesty and transparency need to be at the forefront for everything we do. However, with new emerging technology, creating materials that are both engaging and 100% transparent can be super tricky. The Dear Mark Project podcast produces weekly episodes on honesty and transparency as it relates to the advertising and marketing spaces. Our goal is to get Mark Zuckerberg and his social media empire to create an automatic hashtag filtered image tag that shows up on any post that uses a filter. It's a small action that we believe can create a world of a difference. Stay tuned on how you can support and enjoy the show. Ashley, welcome on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, excited to have you here. So please tell the audience a little about yourself and what you do. I am a licensed clinician. I'm a psychotherapist, speaker, author, and I'm also the founder of the Therapy Fund Foundation, a nonprofit organization dedicated toward eliminating barriers to Black healing. That's fantastic, Ashley, and absolutely love the work that you're doing. Folks, please check her out. We'll have all of her links in the description. And today we're going to be talking about an incredibly important topic, which is racial stereotyping in advertising, as well as inclusivity, diversity, and equity. So really looking forward to getting into this with you today. So for the first topic, advertising may tend to adopt racially insensitive messages, or it can even comply with stereotypes that may embrace the values of being problematic or racial ideologies. And unfortunately, there are still some companies out there whose advertisements may contain that racial stereotyping. And even unknowingly, Ashley, what are some ways that advertising may use these stereotypes? Um, A lot of times advertisers do not check their own biases or look at things from a lens that may impact communities of color. So when they're creating advertisements, it can cause a lot of racial trauma toward communities, especially when they are depicting certain community members in a negative light. Um, I think about the the longtime viral image of LeBron James and gosh, the the white actress, white female actress, I cannot remember her name, or maybe she's like a model, but it was on the cover of, I believe, Sports Illustrated, and LeBron was just really big, almost like his body formed somewhat like an animalistic type being. When you think about like the gorilla, um, Godzilla, not gorilla, Godzilla, and how he's often portrayed and like having buildings in his hands, the picture was done pretty the same with LeBron James and then this white female who was in that graphic and just the way that they enlarged his character and then they made the white female very much small. So that was a negative portrayal that I think an advertised, not I think I know the advertiser did not look at how that could actually be controlled and extremely harmful and continue to perpetuate this idea that Black men are just big and like um, overbearing, especially when it comes to white women. And that had a lot of controversy as it should. So I just think of things like that. And then there's a whole, whole history of advertising, especially when it comes to harmful rhetoric in communities of color from, um, 
exaggerated facial expressions, um, plastering watermelons and chickens and stereotypical things. Um, gosh, what was the other one? H&M, um, Gucci, all of these different brands who've had a horrible advertising when it comes to um, communities of color. I love that you brought up the subject of being biased, because I think that there are a lot of individuals that don't create advertisements or content necessarily through malicious intent. However, the whole point of advertising and content is to make sure that the most amount of people are seeing that piece of content or that asset. And so if you're not carefully thinking through things, you can end up causing a lot of harm. So I'm really curious to get your perspective. How do you think that individuals and companies, how can they make sure that they aren't creating ads through a bias lens? I think they need to be practicing from an anti-oppressive lens. Um, they need to ensure that they're being anti-racist. They need to have some sort of diversity, equity, and inclusion training. Um I think that it's important that they bring in diverse individuals who can actually help them with their advertising and also ensuring that those individuals ascribe to the cultural norms of the community in which they're representing. And I say this because oftentimes we will fill a position with a black or brown body, but those individuals still ascribe to white supremacy. So then, you know, just because you have a black or brown person or, you know, LGBTQ or whatever marginalized community they're from, if they still ascribe to the harmful norms of, of, of an oppressor, then it's really not doing anything when it comes to diversity. Um, I think about Tom Burrell, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He's the author of Brainwashed. It's a phenomenal book um, about challenging the myth of Black inferiority. He was an actual, uh, what do you call it, like an advertiser. He had a marketing company. He had one of the first Black marketing companies. And he really looked at advertising and racial bias within advertising, the same conversations that we're having. And it's it's really prof profound, the things that he has in his book, it like goes back to the 1619, 1619, and looks at different advertising and how that started being harmful for communities of color. I absolutely love that you brought up internal structure, because I think it can make a world of a difference, especially with the topics that we're talking about. If you're actively hiring employees that embody diversity, they're going to be able to call you out on your blind spots. So just like when we were talking about with being biased, and that's a blind spot. And so if you have an employee that's right next to you looking over these materials and saying, hey, you know what, let's take a second look at this. Is this something that we really want to be going out? And especially with HR departments, this is where it all starts, your internal structure. So thinking about with the interview process, when you're trying to get a diverse set of individuals working for you, what are some questions the HR professionals can be asking candidates to make sure that they're getting a diverse team set? Um, I would ask them questions about their cultural norms, their background, what training, what education have they done when it comes to um, being anti-racist? 
what books have they read? What films have they watched? What I'm, I would be curious about what education they've done on their own or through another organization. At my company, it's a requirement for every employee of ours to take the People's Institute training on undoing institutional racism. You have to do that within your first six months of employment. So I would think also, you know, asking questions about that, or even having a standard such as the one that we have in my company that you have to actually do this ongoing training. Um, I think it's important to ask questions about um, how they show up, different scenarios when it comes to different races, religions, ethnicities. How do you work with these individuals? Have you worked with these groups before? Because there's a lot of folks who've never been exposed to other communities um, outside of their own. Like, what is your idea on those who have been historically excluded? How are you bridging that gap? I would also, if it's for an advertising company, I would show specific advertising that we know has been harmful to communities of color. Um, like I mentioned earlier with Tom Burrell and his book and how he has several different images that have been portrayed negatively, um, showing them some of those images and asking for their take on that. So having a conversation right there. Um, tell me tell me about this particular advertising. What are your thoughts on it? What first comes up when you see these images? Um, do they not point out that the, the images are harmful or, you know, they think it's great, like they like how it, it draws on the character or the person. So I think that would be important to use actual raw samples. Um, and then depending upon the type of position, maybe even have them come up with a design. So like come up with a specific scenario. Um, we want to advertise apparel for Latinx communities. What would be an advertisement that you would draw out for that community? So then look at how how are they portraying folks from Latinx communities? Um, what's the setting? Um, is it a two-parent household, a one-parent household? Like what where does their imagination go with that particular advertisement? And then you may be able to see some biases that are present there based on the scenario, the depiction, colors, what um, however th their bodies are, things like that, and what they show. Um, I think that would be extremely helpful to do a, a real life example. Ooh, I love this idea about taking a mock advertisement because it doesn't be published, right? But taking a mock advertisement and having the candidate sit there in real time and explain to you, hey, this is what was done right about this advertisement. And maybe this is something that could have been done better. Because I think what that does is that allows you to look into their internal monologue and be able to understand what decisions they might be inclined to make and why they're making those decisions. I absolutely love that idea. And I wish that more companies would practice that. And I think that's a great branch in terms of talking about inclusivity when it comes to advertising. I have read that there are some companies that claim that the reason that they don't include more diversity in their ads is because their target market claims that historically, quotes, only white people purchase this product. And obviously, this is a huge issue. Only showing one race, I feel like can only further support monoculturalism. And it ends up leaving out individuals that could actually really love and benefit from the product. So what are some thoughts when it comes to this issue? 
Well, when it comes to studies like that, I'm always one curious as to how they're seeking that information out. Have they gone to communities of color and actually asked them if this is a product that they've been uh, in, interested in utilizing? Or um, are they going to predominantly white communities where, of course, they're not going to get any feedback from communities of color or those who have been historically excluded, which will then impact your your margins in terms of that that data that you're collecting. So that's that's what I'm wondering from the beginning. Where is this data coming from? Oh, the questions, the people, the responses. Was there an effort to even include those who've been ex historically excluded in that data? Um, and then when it comes to actually seeking out those communities, then maybe doing, um, gosh, what do you call it? And, and the advertising is not my background. So I'm going to put that out there right there. I am an expert in racial trauma, but um, what is it called? Like field studies. Mm -hmm. So field studies, um, listening sessions and seeking out communities of color and hearing from them directly what would cause them to use this product? What would an advertisement look like? Um, oftentimes we think we know what, a cons what the consumer wants and we never go directly to the consumer to hear from them. So I think as a person who's gonna be selling a product or a service, it's important to go directly to that consumer. And if you're specifically saying, well, only white folks want this, then that tells a lot about you as a business owner and the type of product that you're selling. So if you have a pen and you're saying, well, only white people like this pen um, and you don't wanna make any efforts to, to sell that and distribute that pen to other ethnicities, other races, then, then that's who you are as a business owner. And then you have to own that. And I think a lot of people really hide in who they are and what their values are. Um, so that's a whole nother thing. Oh my goodness. This reminded me of a case study. Are you familiar with REI? I am. I am. Uh, I've got hiking boots and stuff from them, which of course has been a space that is for predominantly white folks. There's a the mistaken belief that black people don't hike or we don't do outdoor activities and other communities of color. Um, so of course, I remember walking into that space and I never saw people who looked like me on any of the advertisements. Um, I haven't been in REI in a while, but yeah, I'm familiar with them. I'm so glad that you brought up that perspective and your experience because I think you hit the nail right on the head. Yeah, there's this false and very problematic belief that black people don't like to hike or they don't like outdoor activities. And it's absolutely ridiculous. And REI is a very interesting case study of that because at least recently, you know, I don't know how it was when you went, but recently in the past couple of years, that there has been a true quota um, just in terms of the races and cultures that they're choosing to use in their advertisements and social media that I think it's for like every 10 pieces of content that go out. It's like, so let's take social media, for example, for every 10 posts, there needs to be a certain number of black people represented, there needs to be a certain number of Hispanic individuals that are represented or white people, you know, so you're, they're really, really working on this, um, at least from my perspective. And I think that other companies that's really important for them because, yeah, it doesn't matter if historically there's one race that is buying your product. I think that you want lots of people to buy your product, right? So in order to do that, you need to make sure that people are feeling seen 
and heard in your advertisements. And if that relates to any industry, it doesn't matter. So Ashley, I'm really interested to get your perspective on this. How do you think that companies can do a better job with being more inclusive, especially when it comes to advertisements? Um, I would go back to what I said earlier and going directly to the consumer and hearing from them. Um, So I'm a Black woman. I show up in this world as a Black woman so I can speak to myself and the things that I would like to see, um, but I'm only one person. So I think it's important for them to get collective data. Um, I saw an Adobe Um, Gosh, it was an Adobe study that showed that 66% of Black Americans and 53% of Latinx Americans felt their ethnicity portrayed stereotypes in advertisements. And 30% of consumers boycotted a brand because they felt it did not represent their identity in advertising. So I think it's extremely important to talk to these communities and ask them, how can we represent your community in advertising? How do you see yourself? I've been seeing a lot of companies um, do really great things from seeing disabled folks in advertising. I didn't see that growing up. Um, and seeing them like do, doing sports and a household task and all of these things that have been construed to say, no, a disabled person cannot do this. So having folks in wheelchairs, having um, folks from different communities, different ethnicities, different religious backgrounds, having folks with a hijab on, it's Ramadan right now. So I think it's important for everyone to see themselves in spaces because representation um, matters. It has an impact on our identity, the products and how we see ourselves. Um, I think about the doll studies. So Kenneth and Mammy Clark, they are two psychologists who did a study. I think it was in the 60s, right? In the 60s. Um, I'll have to fact check that for you, whatever the actual time period was. But they did a study and they showed a white doll and a black doll to young children. And they asked him, asked them who was pretty, um, who was intelligent, like all these different characteristics and white children and black children um, and other children of color all pointed to the white doll as having these better features, as being smarter, all of these different things. And that study has been replicated since it was first done. And like I said, I got to figure out when it was first done, but I believe it was in the 60s. I know it was done again um, in 2005, 2010, and like over and over those have been the responses. And oftentimes it's better now, there aren't dolls that represent other people. When you go into Walmart or you go into these different toy stores, what are the majority of the dolls that they look like when you walk in to to certain stores? But now I think about Target, Target's super inclusive and they're doing a lot of different things and honoring different cultures, ethnicities. I was just buying some games with my kids a couple days ago. And I saw a wide variety of, of toys and dolls that represented different folks. Oh, I just Googled it. Sorry. It was 1940s. I was like, that's going to bother me. They So they did it in the 1940s. So wow, 1940 and the same results have, are still popping up. Oh my goodness. So I'm really curious to get your input on this. So you said that the study was done in 1940 and then it was done again more recently? Yes. I know so many people have replicated this. I see someone just did it in 2021. Um, So yeah, lots of people 
redo this study. I even did it when I was studying psychology, not to the scale that they did it on, but I did um, ask several different young, gosh, I can't remember how, I think it was maybe 30, 30 kids that I did it on um, when I was in college. And what did you find out from your personal study? I'm curious. The same. And I was actually surprised because I remember my niece at the time, she pointed to the white doll as well. And we tend to think that we are a family that really affirms um, what it means to be in Black bodies and that we are beautiful um, in our skin and all of these different things. But then we weren't taken into consideration, like the impact that society has. So you can say all of these things in your household, but my niece still went into a world that was predominantly white and didn't see herself. So that, I think that was one of the things that stuck out to me because my niece was one of my participants at the time. She's 15 now. So gosh, this was a a long, long time ago um, when I was in college that I did this study with her. She was maybe like three, four years old at the time I did it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so when we're talking about, you know, because that's a huge issue, like that breaks my heart. Um, so- yeah, it broke my heart when I saw my niece, because I just knew my niece was going to point to the black doll. And then when she pointed to the other one, I was like, and her mom, my sister was there at the same time. Um, and we just all were kind of flabbergasted. And so, but no, she's, she's beautiful. She's amazing, a young person. And she definitely knows that she is beautiful. Black is beautiful. Latinx is beautiful. White is beautiful. Everyone is beautiful. You have to see the beauty in who you are. Um, And yeah. I love that. You have to see the beauty in who you are. That is so powerful. And I think that just, you know, that speaks to, especially like you've seen your, your niece is that, you know, like you said that in your household that, you know, this nothing but loving and you know for her to still pick that it just shows you know that with advertising and inclusivity how important it is you know um because it 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 matters it absolutely matters and it has a huge impact um so i think that is so powerful and ashley thank you so much again for coming on this podcast um please tell the audience how they can find you you can find me on most social media platforms at therapy with ash or you can go directly to my website which is ashleymcgirt.com, A-S-H-L-E-Y-M-C-G-I-R-T.com. Awesome. Well, great. And we will have all that in the description below. Thank you again. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. To learn more about how to make social media a more honest and empowering place to be, follow us on Instagram at the Dear Mark Project and visit our website, dearmark.co. Stay tuned every week for a new episode. Thanks again for tuning in.